This is Champagne Problems, where we come together to explore the gray areas of drinking. This is a judgment-free zone where we can all take a look at how we make decisions about our relationship with alcohol. Hello, my favorite people on the planet. Very excited about our guest today as he has become an unlikely friend of mine. This is a basketball star who played three seasons at Duke, was picked 12th overall to go on and play eight seasons in the NBA, and had a lustrous career with the Charlotte Hornets, Portland, and Philadelphia. Our guest today goes by the name of Gerald Henderson. And ladies and gentlemen, Gerald played at Duke, and I played at North Carolina. And if you don't know this, many consider these two schools to hold the biggest rivalry in all of sports. And you know what? We're still nice to each other. Let's go to Gerald. Gerald Henderson, welcome to Champagne Problems. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. Well, we appreciate you coming in. Um, Appreciate you taking the time to participate and talk about some things that you might not ordinarily talk about. (laughs) Not true. (laughs) Maybe not on air. Not on air. That's right. Well, thanks for doing it on air. We appreciate that. Yeah. A lot of our listeners likely know who you are, but let's uh, dig into your background a little bit. Some of your early life, where you're from, family, high school, stuff like that. Oh, I'm from right outside of Philly. Grew up in the Villanova area and uh, moved further out to like Bluebell, uh, Plymouth Meeting area. Uh, lived there my whole life. My dad was a NBA player uh, from 79 to 92. and um, Senior. Yeah, senior. And, um, you know, he won three NBA championships, uh, played for the Sixers back in the late 80s, and uh, we decided to stay in Philly and make that home. So I uh, always try to get back there, um, you know, a couple times a year. But, uh, you know, grew up there, played high school there, and eventually – um, you know, went to Duke from there and played three years under Coach K and, um, you know, and then turned that into a, an eight-year NBA career after that. So, you know, stayed in the North Carolina area here in Charlotte uh, after, you know, playing a cu- in a couple teams or for a couple teams in the NBA, you know, now now living here in the area. So, you know, love it. Cool. Cool. Duke. So yep. I'm not going to do that thing that people are expect, <laughs> expecting me to do. Yeah, yeah you I, are. I, remember it. I was a basketball player, too, and followed high school ball. And I remember when you and Wayne were at Episcopal, and I, I remember watching you in McDonald's game and yeah. dunk contest. And yeah, Ridiculous. man. It's funny. <laughs> I was pumped. Just just this morning, I was we got, we got like a, um, a party at our, our house tomorrow. I'm getting all these our old frames put up because we just moved a couple months ago. So I'm getting these frames put up in my uh, pool house. And I just saw my McDonald's jersey nice. just this morning. <laughs> Brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about going from high school to Duke. I mean, obviously you were a big player in high school. Um, you know, McDonald's All-American. You were in the spotlight. But then you go to... I mean, one of the most renowned basketball schools in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what's that transition look like? It was a tough transition. I think first and foremost, I came from a, a program. I went to Episcopal Academy in um, Philadelphia, and uh, I, I had the honor of playing underneath a, a high school coach named Dan Doherty. He's a Philly basketball legend. You know, I, I learned some real discipline and fundamentals with Coach Doc and, you know, really learned how to how to play the game and uh, be a great teammate. So, you know, when I came to Duke, you know, all those kind of things were um, ingrained in me when I got there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the, the level of talent and, um, you know, just the, just the overall gameplay, you know, increases when you get to college. And, um, you know, the size of the players, you know, you're, you're going up <laughs> against other guys that are, you know, athletic just like me. I, I had never seen anybody as athletic as me up to that point. And so then you got to work on your skills, right? You got to figure, figure out how to uh, become a better player at that point. And so, you know, I think my first year at Duke, we lost 12 games, which is like unheard of at Duke. Yeah. So it was, it was a challenging year. And um, then from there, we it got better. And my junior year, we were a, a number one team at one point. But, um, you know, it was definitely challenging. And Coach K, as Wayne Ellington, is calling me right now. <laughs> no, he's not. Answer it. Answer that. 
Put it on speaker. Yeah, Wayne Ellington, what's going on? You're uh, with me on oh, the podcast. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to Champagne Problems, yeah. Wayne. <laughs> Wayne. He can't, he can't hear us. Bro, you can't hear us well, but we were just talking about you in, in high school and stuff. I'm on a podcast right now. Wow. Why does this always happen? Yeah. I'm telling you, man. He's on a lot of podcasts. Yeah, He's so. meant to be a podcaster. I, we've been talking about it like over the last couple of years. We'll be talking about each other and somebody will call. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's amazing. Hey, man, but can I call you back? <laughs> I'm kind of busy. I'll be back. How long? Uh, an hour or so. Go All Heels! Right. Go Heels! <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm hanging up. Later. <laughs> That uh, was fantastic. Duke has a knack for recruiting players that fit their their mold. So when you were talking about playing under Doherty, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, uh, like you said, the transition was tough just because you're going to a higher level. But you were already kind of in that mode of, of the way that Duke's, um, you know, principles go and, and, and how K uh, coaches. So, I mean, was that – Golly, what did that – I just – I'm fascinated with Duke, yeah. <laughs> obviously, even though I don't love <laughs> all of it. That's fine. Uh, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated because they're so damn good. You know, I think there's a standard at Duke. Like, Coach K is just – you know, and, and I say it now in the past tense because he's right. not the coach there anymore. But, you know, there's a standard that he holds himself to, he holds his team to. And if you ain't at that <laughs> standard – he going to let you know. Yeah. And there's He's not backing down. Um, and I think that I admire that because, you know, it's, it's going to put you through some tough times and it's going to be some tension. And, you know, but he embraces all that stuff. He knows how to handle it. He comes from a, a military background yeah. where uh, if there's a problem, we're going to address it right away. We're going to have a meeting. <laughs> right. He is the king of meetings. <laughs> I mean, we got – Meetings before meetings, like stuff <laughs> like that. Meetings. Oh man! Um, but uh, you know he's very diligent and um, efficient with everything he does, and he's he's all about no slippage. Yeah, you know, we're not letting nothing go. So tell me a little bit about um, in, in that light. You know, I, we're often really curious as to you know high level performers high level athletes high level professionals and how they incorporate wellness into their programs i mean specifically to mental health is that part of of what he does i mean i know kind of indirectly you know confronting issues is part of that but does he have anything in place that's support for you know the mental health space when i was there absolutely not yeah. 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 It's a new thing. Yeah. For sure. It's definitely a new thing. I mean, <laughs> the mental health treatment back then was like, man, get your shit together. <laughs> Run some suicide. Right, right. Book your feelings. <laughs> right. Get get it together, man. Like, let's go. Be ready tomorrow. Yeah. You know, that that's what that was. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure now they they've um, you know, implemented some things as kids are um, kids are different than they were, what was that, in 2006? That's probably why he retired. Right, right. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dealing with yeah. this bullshit. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. He's, he's been really blessed, I think, and, and smart in hiring some of the assistants that he did along the way, yeah. uh, some younger guys. Now, you know, John Shire, who was my college teammate and roommate, um, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, Nolan Smith, who just left there to go to Louisville, Chris Carrawell, um, all those guys are younger and kind of a little more in touch with the younger generation. And yeah. um, he's smart in hiring guys that, um, you know, can relate. And so, um, you know, I think going forward, you know, especially now in 2022, you know, I'm sure they have some things in place and, just even from a um, you know a medicine type um, you know perspective, they're doing uh, a million more things than we were ever doing yeah. back then. We were doing the you know the bare minimum because the not, not like on purpose, but just like the focus was basketball. Like, yeah. Let's let's figure out. But then now the idea of like, hey, our wellness, our bodies are are so important. Let's 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 look into this a little bit more. Yep. Aside from the program, was there anything that you were doing personally, like knowingly or unknowingly, to kind of take care of your own wellness or mental health during that time? 
I was doing yoga back then in college. I was doing some mm-hmm. yoga. A lot, a lot of guys weren't doing that. Um, you know, and really in college, I was partying just like everybody else, but I was doing the least amount of partying. I was so focused <laughs> on becoming an mm-hmm. NBA player yeah. that, um, you know, I, was, I, I would chill a lot. My, my, my teammates would call me a square sometimes. But, you know, I'd hang out just like anybody else on the weekends. You know, I was very focused on what I was doing. So, like, probably just sitting there watching TV, NBA games a lot of times mm-hmm. for my for mm-hmm. my wellness. <laughs> and what did that mean, that the partying, like, or the drinking would have been a distraction or a hindrance to, like, your progress? You know, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I had sickle cell trait, um, or I oh. still have it. You have it forever. It's a it's a mm-hmm. kind of autoimmune, um, you know, blood uh, disease where you know your your percentage of your cells are sickle and it affects you, um, you know, stamina wise. You know, you get more fatigue. It affects you in heat and humidity. So I was always trying to find ways, um, you know, to get more stamina, to um, you know, just feel better on the court. So. You know, I'd I'd be exhausted on the court. So you had symptoms from it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and Cameron cranks up the temperature. So oh yeah. yeah, I mean, oh, I got a story to tell you about that too. <laughs> but um, you know, I dealt with it since I was a kid, and we didn't know what it was until I was 21 years old. Oh, and wow. I would wow. I would be like falling out in you know workouts and stuff. So I was very cognizant of like getting my rest and being hydrated. And eating, you know, never missing meals and stuff like that because, you know, you have to, with that kind of, um, you know, disease, you got to do the, the basics. So, hmm. mm-hmm. like you would suffer at a different level than, you know, if you're drinking the same as the other guys, you're going oh, to have a lot harder time bouncing oh, back. It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. And I'm yeah. not saying I haven't done that. No, no, no. Right. No, no. I mean, <laughs> we, we all, we're, we're all, all human here. Right. We're all human here. <laughs> But, um, you know, I was definitely, I was definitely very cautious of, of that. I couldn't even imagine like walking into practice and Kay looking at you and be like, are you hungover? <laughs> well, he, he can see it. I know. You know, and his thing is like, Hey, you can be hungover, man, but let's, let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got practice today yeah. or we got a game like, okay. Yeah. Let's see what you got. You better perform. And if right. You're, yeah, if you're dragging because you're hungover. Right. Oh, we're going to oh, have a meeting. He'll be on you. Definitely afterwards. Yeah. Transition up to the, the next level. I mean, bigger dudes, bigger egos. Yeah. What does that look like? I got a, a kind of wake-up call. This is the first time ever in my basketball career that I didn't play. You know, uh, I had yeah. Larry Brown as a, a coach. Yeah, he my, like rookies. Yeah, he hates he hates young guys. They doesn't hate them, but just doesn't play them. Yeah. You know, yeah, you find earn, a earn your spot. Absolutely, and that's kind of like um, you know the seniority kind of mindset yeah. is a Carolina thing. Yeah, they've done that forever, and yeah. I don't know if they how much they still do that. They still do right, but it, it don't matter how good or bad somebody is that's older. They they're gonna play or they're gonna start. Or or conversely, it doesn't matter how good you are when you're younger. You're right. not gonna play. Right. Right, exactly right. Um, and so, you know, I dealt with that. I played in 42 games my rookie year. And we had a, we had a you know, we here with the Bobcats. We had a good team. We made the playoffs. Uh, we had Gerald Wallace, Stephen Jackson, Raymond Felton, Tyson Chandler. Yeah, that was a squad. Yeah, it was a good little squad. It was a good little squad. And then we had some guys coming off the bench. Uh, Flip Murray had mm-hmm. – um, Larry Hughes. So we ha- we had some guys that it was going to be challenging for me to play over at that time, but I thought I could have got a couple minutes. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I could have got I a mean, couple minutes. <laughs> it just didn't happen. So you know that was a tough year for me because I didn't know how to deal with that. You know, I I was pissed off every single day. Like those guys on that team, and like Nazi Muhammad's one of my really good friends who was on that team as well. Um, you know, he says, yo, you were the worst rookie that I've ever had. <laughs> that would have driven me nuts, I wasn't, man. I wasn't carrying no bags. I wasn't getting any food. Like, I, I wasn't doing anything. They, I had, I had a, a job of getting Krispy Kreme donuts every practice day. 
God. And that's typical kind of rookie stuff, right? Yeah. Like a little bit of hazing. Yes. And so, you know, but that, I mean, in terms of the stuff that they could have you do, this was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. But the problem was <laughs> is that I lived here, okay? Krispy Kreme was over here, and the practice <laughs> arena was over here. So I'd have to Not drive convenient. 20 minutes south. I don't even know where it was now. 20 minutes south of Krispy Kreme and then drive all the way uptown to practice. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Just not doing it. <laughs> so I would, I would stop at Harris Teeter yeah, on the way to practice and pick up. Get the stale the, ones. Yeah, yeah, the ones that were there for a couple of days. And then go to the arena. I, I went to Krispy Kreme one time and got the boxes. Right? I got like Ooh. 10 boxes. And then I would put them in the. Oh, um, my God. And then uh, work smarter, uh, not they harder. They figured yeah. that out pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a bad rookie. But all because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I was pissed off. I wanted to play. Yeah. You know. Well, and your teammates probably knew that too. Absolutely. And they hated me even more because in practice, I'd be going at them. I there's there's going to be no reason that all these coaches think I shouldn't play. Yeah. Well, that you was know. my next question. Did it? I mean, what was the motivation? Didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, the motivation must have been all right. I got to prove myself yeah. once again. Yeah, because that's. I mean, that's. Dude, you that know, drives me nuts. Knowing my dad, you know, um, you know, he's like, look, these are if you want to play, these are things you're gonna have to do, man. And um, you know, and I, I was never a guy that's just like, oh, I'm not playing. All right, I'm just gonna be an asshole and yeah. not, you know, not do what I'm supposed to do or show up late or some. I was. I'm not like that. Yeah. The, the following season, Larry Brown um, gets fired. And, and, and I'll say this about Larry Brown. He's a hell of a coach. Oh, yeah. He really is. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's a good man. Just a bad bench coach. Right. Right. <laughs> right. He's, he had me on the bench. But um, he's a good, he's a good freaking coach, man. He, can, he knows how to grab guys and keep it real with guys and manage guys. Yeah. That he can do for well, sure. Look what he did with Iverson, dude! Absolutely, I, big time. I remember I was not well at this period of time in my life, but I remember the Olympics when he was the Olympic coach. When I guess it was like LeBron and D Wade and Melo's Mello. first year. Yeah. And they sat them on the bench, mm-hmm. and we lost. I don't even think we we got a bronze medal that year. Yeah, we sucked that. And year. he just sat. He kept him on the bench like the whole time. I was like, dude, I want to fly over to China. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the most frustrating thing ever. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about kind of the same thing, but NBA side. Was there any kind of when you were kind of active? Like, were there any? programs in place to help you with anything going on personally or like you mentioned medically or any of the mental health side substances anything like that you know um when i came into the league you know the they had some stuff the players association had a lot of stuff in place uh i'm not sure as much about the nba they could have had stuff but Mm -hmm. you know doing it with the nba is kind of like a stigma amongst the players like you don't really want to let them know what you got going mm-hmm. on because you feel like it can affect um, something or somebody's going to tell somebody. Of course. There's a lot of know, business. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, it probably it probably does happen mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, there's not you, you're not as secure with, like, the confidentiality of mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, so in, and then in general, like, nobody's really trying to come forth yeah. like that if you got any problems anyways. So... Um, you know, I think me as a rookie, like, I was partying. Right. Absolutely. I was hanging out, drinking. You know, if you know you're not going to play the next night, like, what am I? <laughs> I was a, I'm going to practice and working out all day. Like, yeah, we go to a new city. Like, all this stuff is new to me. Mm-hmm. We go to New York. Like, I'm out till 3, 4 in the morning. It's going to happen. Because you're not going to yeah. play the next day. Right. It's not going to play. So, what? You know. Is that kind of like a league standard, though? I mean, mm-hmm. do you feel like that's like a like common of the NBA culture for guys that – you know that aren't um, especially the younger ones. Uh, without I, throwing anybody. Out yeah, the bus. no. I mean, I can't. I can't speak for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But absolutely. I mean, it's gotta be. You go to especially when these things are new to you. Yeah. Right, and they're fun. You got a bunch of money. Right, bunch a bunch money. of money, right. a bunch of girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's not gonna do that? You uh, know, it's gotta be tough to manage. Well, I mean, that's yeah. that's. Dude, we've known that forever. We you you hear stories, of sure. course. You see people out. I mean, that's been the culture for 
Yeah. Not even just the NBA. It's right. anybody with a bunch of money right. and young. Yeah. Are there any guard? Are there any guard? I mean, I'm sure there's somewhat now. I mean, outside of like you know your own personal manager, are there are there guardrails with the league within the league that kind of manage that stuff? Well, one thing you got now, a lot of guys got like their own personal security, yeah. right? So they're looking out for them when they're out. But you know, they they actually. You know, for marijuana, they stopped testing for yeah. marijuana. Yeah. So, you know, if guys weren't smoking before, guys are smoking now. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, yeah. they're outspoken about it now. It's actually yeah. surprised me a bunch. Because, look, everyone's mm-hmm. had a little puff here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, let's right. just keep it real. Yep. But, you know, the idea that marijuana is, like, really helpful for you, <laughs> I, I struggle with that one. You know, maybe, like, if... You know, with, for mental health, if you got if you got some stuff that you can't <laughs> deal with, that takes your mind off of it, but it ain't really helping you. About 15, no, you, it's you about fifteen it. years ago, I could put up a pretty good argument. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. You know, I may take your mind off of it. it it's probably still good. <laughs> <laughs> no, and well, yeah, now, but Patrick. it's just it's just one of those things. Like, no, you're still gonna have to deal with the same problems that yeah. you've had. Um, you know, when you're off of that buzz or off of that high, whatever it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I would say that the NBA has, has loosened their um, approach on that, and I think that that's maybe a mistake. It's just not a good look. Like, you got kids thinking that, right, hey, yeah. I can yeah, – yeah, man, yeah. I can go out here like Kevin Durant and score 30 a game mm-hmm. and, you know, just be high the rest do of it. the day. Or do it high. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. that happens too. Oh, yeah. no question. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell a quick story. Uh, Definitely not going to name any names, but 1995 at Chapel Hill. uh, I mean, you could probably put together who was on the team then, but I had a buddy growing a bunch of weed in his basement. Mm -hmm. You know, called me, said, yo, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are over here. We're all getting high. (laughs) And these are three varsity basketball players. Ended up being four or five of them. This guy called a couple of us. We all go over there. We're sitting there all afternoon just killing it, <laughs> killing it all day. I mean, sure. tr- tripping and tripping and tripping. And I swear, 5 o'clock rolls around. One of them stands up, kind of stretches back, looks at the other boys and goes, y'all ready to go to practice? <laughs> and this is – Dean Smith was still coaching. I mean, I was like, yeah. oh, y'all are going to practice now? Hell yeah. Crazy. Keeps you in the rhythm, baby. Crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I did the same thing, and I used to, I used to go off. But, <laughs> but it wasn't very consistent was the right. problem. You know, some days were off, and it was because of that. Other yeah. days you're on, maybe because of that, maybe not. Who knows? But, I, you know, you hear stories in the NBA, guys going out of the locker room and hitting it before they play and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if that, how accurate that is, but it's sure it happens. It's, it's, it definitely has happened, and it definitely happens. Yeah. I just can't imagine doing that. I was just like, <laughs> how, can you, it takes how do you put one breed. foot in front of the other, <laughs> you know? It takes um, a special breed. But, you know, some guys have, have done that. They've done it since they were younger. It's like yeah. nothing to them. Some guys can't. Play without it. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just one of those things. I don't. I don't think. I'm not saying that. You know, guys aren't. You know, game's over with. You. You want to go do that? That's fine. Yeah. But um, you know, I think there's a level of like respect for the game that mm-hmm. you you gotta you gotta appease to because yeah. um, mm-hmm. you let that slide. Okay. What do, what are we doing next? What other drug is uh-huh. going to be okay in in five ten years? Um, you know, what's it going to take? Who's going to have to get in trouble or get hurt for this to, you know, now, you know, we go, we bring it back down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? In terms of like wellness stuff, I mean, I know like Phil Jackson was like a Buddhist and he had the guys meditating and stuff. Did you see any of that in like uh, other areas of the league? Like, did they have like mindfulness practices to help you guys like maintain your focus and efficiency? No, yeah. I didn't see any of that. Really? I didn't see any of that. Uh, I knew some guys that, that did some meditation and usually pretty even-keeled guys. I oh. think that's what you do it for because you, if you go through an NBA season, you know, you go – you play 82 games. It's a it's a lot, man. It really yeah. is. Cause, you have a bad game, get yeah, on Twitter. I mean, just, <laughs> like, just think of the flow of a season. You come off the summertime, you're hanging out, okay, you're working out. Um, you know, you're trying to get yourself back in shape. Every year the team looks different, right? You could have a new coach. Um, you know, who knows what your contract situation is like. Yeah. Who knows what the 
the team is thinking in terms of, hey, this is going to be our team or, you know, we're planning to trade somebody. You never know. Mm-hmm. And so you're coming in, you're playing, you could be winning or losing. Um, you know, you got family stuff you're dealing with. You got injuries that now you're playing. You got injuries to deal with. Um, you know, it's just it's just a lot in a season. And then you got 82 games. A lot that <laughs> affects your it's, mental health. It's it's over All and over. You got, tra- you got travel. It's just so much, especially – you know, my biggest thing is so much stuff that people don't see. Yeah. You know, they just turn on ESPN. <laughs> Let's watch the game. And, oh, he's playing like shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to yell at him, get right. mad at him. What is he doing? Yeah. Idiot. Right. stress from Dude, all the man. being in the spotlight. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be. I played five games this week, man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and your fat ass is yelling at me. Yeah. My back is killing me. <laughs> My wife's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> my cabins and my kids in three weeks. It's cra- right, exactly right. And so then, and then now I got to go play. Yep. And so it's just a lot. It's just a lot. And so, you know, I've seen guys do meditation. Um, you know, and I've been out the league for, it's been four or five years now. So things have changed. Yeah. And mental health has become like a, a huge thing now in the NBA and awareness for it. And so, you know, the NBA, the Players Association, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive they have yeah. a lot of programs in place for guys to come to and, you know, be able to deal with, with, with their lives. I mean, it's a smart move for the teams, too. And the, I mean, people are going to play better if they're, yeah. if they're healthy. But see, that's another thing. Guys don't, guys don't want to come to the team. They'll, yeah. come, they'll go to the Players Association yeah, before yeah, yeah. they go to the team. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Because they don't want them knowing what's going on. They're like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Gerald, man, yeah. well, Gerald's got some, yeah. some stuff going on, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if we're, we're going to extend him this summer because, yeah. you know, he, he didn't play this good. And then he got some other stuff on the side. Like, maybe let's look yeah, in another that, direction. That makes sense. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. You know, give, give them extra information. Well, I think programs are great, right? But I, I also think the culture within the team or within the league matters. Like I'm, I'm curious too about the team dynamics because a lot of what you describe sounds a lot like what I remember watching when my husband was deployed or like early kind of military mm-hmm. life. And you're not going to go and have somebody say that you're not fit for duty because you've now got this diagnosis or, you know, and, and even if it's encouraged, it's, it's sketchy. You're just not going to do it. It could affect your career and those sorts of things. But I think the kind of big pro there was always the camaraderie that they had and the culture of like, I've got your back kind of no matter what. And I'm curious about kind of more on that level of like, were there a lot of conversations like teammate to teammate being like, Hey man, like, are you doing all right? Like I'm concerned. I'm seeing this, whether it was about substances or mental health or just like personal stuff, maybe it was even the way they were playing or showing up. Was that stuff happening? Yeah. Yeah, I had some good teammates along the way. You know, when you, um, you know, like like I had a good vet, like I just mentioned him, uh, Nazi Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Also, Matt Carroll, who's local here. Yeah, um, great those, dude. Those are guys I've known Matt since I was really younger because he's from Philly. But, um, you know, those are guys that I, sp- I spent a lot of time around. They kind of gave me some guidance as a young player, especially when I wasn't playing. And uh, just inv- invite you over to the house. You know, I, I had – Dinners over Nazi's house, over Matt's house, uh, play with their kids. Now their kids are grown. It's, it's kind of crazy. But, um, you know, you just talk about life, talk about where things are at. And those are guys that at that time had been through it. So, like, you know, they know how to deal with a lot of things and can, you know, give you some guidance on, hey, you know, these are maybe, maybe these are things you need to be doing or just, you know, don't worry about this and that. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, and it usually it comes from your vets. It comes from your vets, like that that have been through it, and mm-hmm. you know, know know how to deal with it. I love hearing that, man. It's not um, specific to the NBA. I mean, it's it's that is kind of our culture, and 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 that is a lot of the mission in the mental health space is to get people to be more open about it, and that's great and all. But like you said. And like Sam mentioned, it, it can affect your career. It can affect how you're perceived. And, and, and that's – I'm not sure how to change that. There's affect a, your money. There's an absolute mm-hmm. stigma associated with it that we'd like to decrease for the sake of mental health, but just the reality around coming out about some personal struggles that you're dealing with, whether it's relational or family or substance, like it's going to affect your projection. And that sucks, but it's the reality. 
Yeah. And so I'm not sure where the where the fix is. I don't you think know? it's in the players' association. Well, it's I mean, well, it's, said, but it's all there's a. It's in the players' association, but it's also like you said, your mentors, you know, your vets, yeah. your your guys who have been through it, and and I mean, I think that trickles down to just your everyday individual. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you just can't come clean to the public and to your boss and to your, you know. Yeah, I think you've seen guys like um, Demar Derozan, Kevin Love, mm-hmm. yeah, who have come out like just openly. And saying, "Hey, I'm I'm I've been dealing with some stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know." But those are stars, you know. Yeah, they're established, right? They're established. They got their money, and um, you know, I think it I think it is important for them to to come out and 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 say, "Hey, I, you know, I've been dealing with some stuff, and you know, here's how I've gotten help." And then, you know, the NBA got behind it. Yeah. But it's easy for them to get behind it, you know, after. When, right yeah. after the fact. <laughs> I, I they, squashed when, it when for, they have for to. 10 years. I was going to say, it's always post. Right. You know, from there now, um, it makes it easier for other guys to come out and say, you know, hey, I'm dealing with something too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think overall it's, it's all good. You know, you need a group. You, to, to be one guy and come out by yourself, especially if you're not an established player, and, um, you know, your career isn't, you know, already, you know, benchmarked, then it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about alcohol, man. Let's, tell, let's do it. I got alcohol in here. <laughs> no, I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> when did your drinking start? Like, did, you know, I mean, I know you said you partied a lot in, or some in some. college. but Absolutely. Yeah, dude, give us the rundown if, you, if you're. I've never been a huge drinker. Never had what I felt was like an alcohol problem yeah. in my life. Um, I've seen it, you know, nothing, nothing huge in my family, but, you know, obviously I think probably I first started drinking, maybe I was 14 or 15. Mm. Uh, I tell this story. <laughs> this is a funny, let's story. get it. Hell yeah. <laughs> you got time for this? Yes. Oh, yeah. So this involves a golf trip. Okay. okay? Oh, and real quick. So our listeners may not know this, but. Gerald was a damn scratch golfer. I mean, early in his could have had a pro golf career. Good gracious! Yeah. I, and I shot two under at Carmel yesterday. God, yeah, yeah. Of course you did. T- took him for everything. <laughs> and I, I plan to do it tomorrow too. Yeah, I'd probably say fourteen or fifteen. So I, I was on the high school golf team. Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, I was probably you know a scratch golfer in eighth ninth grade. Man, that is ridiculous. Jesus. That is ridiculous. <laughs> My dad had me out there early, man. He always loved to play. But uh, we go to, I think we went somewhere in North Carolina, and um, I had never drank to that point. You know, I was very just young and, and whatnot. But, you know, I went on a trip with the high schoolers. Mm. Okay. Oh. And, um, you know, the <laughs> in hindsight now, the, the faculty and everybody, because we ended up getting in trouble <laughs> – they don't know this story. So this might be the first – or they don't. They know the story. They don't know this part of the story. <laughs> and so w- our last night there, we play all these – I think it was like Pinehurst or something. We play mm-hmm. all these nice courses. And, you know, our last night there, we decided um, – you know, the high schoolers decided, yo, let's, let's go have some fun, man. So one of these kids I think had a fake ID. He goes across the street to the – I think it was uh, a Kroger maybe or – Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Gets two big boxed wines, okay? Comes back. He's got them. I've never drank before. They just hand me a cup. I'm like, all right. Taste it. It's not that bad. Have one cup. I'm loaded, okay? Uh, We start putting in the hallways. Having putting contests. That's where we started. And then we're loud. Our coach tells us to go outside. Mm, And we're like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) We start taking out, Put like, out the driver. nine irons. We're hitting it across the street, like, over to the Kroger. Like, it's out of control, okay? An hour goes by, and we kind of look around, and there's, like, huge just holes of just, like, divots. <laughs> just huge. So we're like, shit, like, we got to figure it's this out. It's sod. Somebody comes up with the grand idea, yo, let's, let's go back behind the hotel and dig up a whole bunch of sod and fill it in here in the front. Because, I mean, literally, we were in the front of the hotel. I mean, couldn't have been dumber. Okay? And we figured that out. We patched it up pretty good. Next morning, 
we're about to leave. We got our bags and stuff in the car, and the landscaper guy comes out and say, hey, were y'all out here hitting golf shots? And we were like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we got caught. And so we go back to school, and it's a alcohol was never a part of the story. Mm. We were all just, you know, loaded yeah. doing this stuff. And they punished us, okay? And listen to this suburb school punishment. Mm-hmm. For two days, we had to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go help the grounds crew out at Marion Golf Club. <laughs> like one of the <laughs> nicest <laughs> golf courses in the country. Bring, bring the Franzia. <laughs> yeah. That was our punishment. We uh, had to, like, rake some bunkers and oh, oh my God. mow some grass. That was a reward. That'll teach them. Yeah, but, you know, from there... You know, I obviously I went to high school and you know, on the weekends we would hang out and you know, you know what kids do in high school, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, we yeah. drink. But I never was a like a huge drinker. You know, I never like drink and drive. That was one of my things. Like my dad put the fear of God in me, you know. You know, he never like condoned drinking underage, but he'd always be like any anytime something would come up like a player an athlete would get in trouble or anything like that, he'd be like, Hey man, that could be mm-hmm. you, man. Don't mess around. Mm-hmm. He's like, you already know what it is. If you come back in this house loaded or if you drink it and driving with my car, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so I never would mess around. And you know, obviously you make a couple of bad decisions as a kid, but I never did anything stupid. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe a couple of times. But not not anything where no like big I'm, consequences. Yeah, no, I'm not doing it because you know and I think that you know my dad was always a guy that was just like yo, do the right thing. Yeah. that was his thing. You know we're gonna we're gonna do the right thing. You gonna hang out and have fun, but you know if you want to play in the NBA like you say you want to, you know there's some things that that you gonna have to um, you know do a little bit better than everybody else. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot. It sounds like you kept that awareness kind of throughout, like at least early career of like, I know that this affects me differently than other people. And so I'm just kind of, kind of be aware of that. Were there ever any points when you made formal changes? Like you were like, after that night, I need to pull it back or this happened and maybe I should make some changes either kind of during that part of your career or even later in life. Well, in high school, I had a couple of buddies that got in trouble um, for drinking and smoking weed uh, on a school trip, <laughs> and they kicked him out of school. Mm. And that was uh, a couple years after, um, you know, the golf trip. The incident. So yeah. I was like, dang, I mean, that could easily be me. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that happens. You get kicked out of school. That's going to affect, you know, maybe the next school you want to go to, the next college you go to. So I was like, oh, can't, can't be messing around like that anymore. I can't really think of anything else right now. Um, but you know, you you see you see stuff pop up with kids like in college. I think that um, you know nowadays they're a little more lenient on things that pop up. You see Paulo Bencaro, <laughs> Savarino, got, baby, right, and all that <laughs> stuff that happened. I mean, he, uh, Bencaro's a good kid, yeah, right. Um, but you know, and it happened. I mean, literally, it happened. The kid continues to go on and have a, a good year, yeah. and it's you know it's forgotten about, not even talked about. You know, I think that you know nowadays they understand like, hey, kids are going to be kids. Um, they're going to make their mistakes, and um, let's not ruin their lives over it. Right, exactly right. right. And you know he's going to go on and have you know a really good NBA career, but um, you know things like that. You know, at different times, you know, had that gone differently, that could have been something that was dangerous. You yeah. know, it could have gone differently. Um, so you just got to be smart about the decisions that, that you're making. Yeah. So, all right. So fast forward to now. Um, what's your what's your intake looking now? I know you and I had a previous discussion we around did. this, but um, shed a little light there. Yeah. So uh, to, to start this story. So last summer uh, I had COVID in July, you know, very mild symptoms, just, you know, stuffy nose and a headache for about two days. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you know, I was good. I had to quarantine for the next eight days. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time it was a ten day quarantine, but really nothing. I I, I was just pissed off for eight days because I couldn't leave the house or <laughs> you know do much. But um, really, that I couldn't golf. 
you know, then following that, you know, I kind of bounced back from it, started back on my routine of working out and stuff and, and working and, and playing golf. And then one day I was out on the golf course, you know, I hit a, I hit a little wedge to like 10 feet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like licking my Standard. chops. Standard. Right. Yeah. I'm out there, you know, we got music blasting. We got, I got, I'm out there with three of my buddies. We got a bunch of bets going. You know, I'm smoking a cigar. It's like one of those summer days. And it's 100 degrees outside, mm-hmm. okay? And um, I'm walking down to the green, and I can feel my heart racing, like racing. You know, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, like, maybe I just, you know, I was this taking putt's not that important. Right, right. Like, come on. I know, like, we got four holes left, and there's, like, three, I'm 400 I'm on the, like, Come on. We've been here before. And so, you know, I kind of stop myself and my heart keeps racing. And then I go down to mark my ball and I stand up and I get like a really uh, bad dizzy spell. And I'm like, man, what is going on? And then I feel like my my throat kind of um, tighten up a bit. You know, I started sweating a little bit more. And I was like, am I having a stroke? Like, is this like a heart? Is this what this... I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I never yeah, felt this. Freak you out. Scam. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 100 degrees. So I'm like, maybe... that. Am I like drinking too much uh, alcohol? Am I... Maybe I need to put the cigar down. Like, I don't know. So I missed the birdie putt. <sighs> <laughs> I was uh, pissed. Main part of the story. Yeah. Missed the birdie putt. <laughs> um, I stopped drinking and put the cigar down started drinking a whole bunch of water i actually went one under the final four holes which i was really happy about all right well good yeah and um i get home take a shower i put on my whoop band right and my heart rate i'm laying down in the bed my heart rate is 125 laying down and i'm like what is going on and my wife's like hey you need to go to the hospital I'm like, nah, I'm probably all right. Like, just give it, let me, give, it give me, give me 10 Sleep minutes. <laughs> right. Next thing I know, it's six o'clock in the morning. I, I look at my whoop band again and it's um, like at 61, 62. And I'm like, oh, that's normal. And, you know, maybe I just was drinking too much. It was too hot or something. And then a couple of weeks later, I went to get a COVID test for uh, a Hornets game. And the, uh, I just went to an urgent care. And he checked my heart rate, and it was uh, it was like 122 sitting down. And so he's like, "Hey, we need to check this out because we've seen, you know, after COVID, some people have some, you know, irregular heartbeat type stuff." So then he checked it out, and um, I did have an irregular heartbeat. And so went to Duke, got all these tests and stuff, and then it ended up being uh, this thing they call atrial flutter, and it's basically like a small heart, uh, piece of your heart gets damaged. It sets off the rhythm of blood flow in your heart. So I had to get this procedure done um, start of the year um, where they just go in with a catheter through your leg up into your heart. They zap it and creates the scar tissue. I know this is a very long story, yeah, but um, which basically fills in the damaged part of your heart. Mm-hmm. And then it instantly, within two seconds, puts your heart back into rhythm. And so from there, um, and, you know, I, as I was working through this whole process before getting the procedure done, um, I started really looking into um, things that affect the heart negatively. Mm-hmm. So, and the number one thing that you find is alcohol, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's a million reasons why, but the number one reason is ethanol that's in alcohol is basically poison for your heart. And, you know, just every time you drink it, it damages it. And especially when you have alcohol in excess, you know, more than two drinks at a time, it puts a lot of pressure on your heart. Mm-hmm. So I stopped drinking from mm-hmm. that ins- from when I, fa- when I found out that I had um, mm-hmm. the flutter till um, the start of this year. I probably had maybe, mm-hmm. you know, two or three drinks, you know, maybe a couple on New Year's. But I really took back that consumption. I stopped smoking cigars. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably, since that since that time in July, I probably had maybe three or four cigars. And I used to almost smoke one every time I was on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, and I played a every lot day. of golf since then. <laughs> That's a lot it of kinda, cigars. You know, it kind of settles you in. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. 
Was wow. it difficult? Was it hard? It was challenging. It was challenging a little bit because now that I kind of look back and I've thought about it, I was like, hey, man, maybe I had a little addiction there. Because it's like... Because it was harder than you thought? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's because like when, I, when I'm at home, I don't feel this need to have a drink or yeah. smoke a cigar. Hardly ever. Um, but when I was on the course, course. Yeah. you know, and... You know, I don't know if you guys are big golfers. I know Robbie plays, but, like, you know, they call it swing oil. Oh, yeah. I mean, it puts you in, That's like, why I'm so bad at golf now, because <laughs> I can't drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, man. It just gets you – and shoot, look up – go online and look up uh, some John Daly clips, and he'll oh, tell yeah. you. Yeah. He's like, man, I've had some of my best rounds, <laughs> drunk or Black hungover. Out. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, just, you know, not like overly drunk, but just like a, a little buzz and, you no know, a little cigar, it sets you in. And I think I got kind of used to that. You know, you don't really think of anything. You don't think that it's affecting you like big time like that. But it absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was addicted to it in that moment, you know, just on dependent. the golf course. Dependent. Yeah, dependent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But since then, like, I don't, you know, because I actually just stopped myself because, you know, the idea of, hey, man, your heart could potentially have an issue, you know, and, you you know, you could be damaging your heart even further by doing this. Mm-hmm. You need to chill out because this could kill you, mm-hmm. right? That's really what it came down to, like, hey, man, yeah. you know, you go home, I got two, two kids, one on the way, like, you know, and I'm 34. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I'm not dying. <laughs> no, no. Um, but then, you know, the other side of this is – um, my dad has, has had cardiac myopathy since I was in high school mm. and he's taken, um, medicine to try to, um, you know, stop his ejection fraction from lowering. So your ejection fraction, um, is the pressure percentage of pressure that blood flows into your heart. So a normal ejection fraction is 55 and over time his is lowered, mm-hmm. right? Um, it got to a critical rate where he had to get a um, defibrillator device. Oh, wow. And it actually, two months after he got it, it went off. His heart stopped. Yep. Really? Yep. And he was by himself, and, um, you know, he was fine, but he, he said it felt like a, a horse kicked him in his chest. Gah. Just boom. You know, and brought him, brought him back. Damn. You know, so that's some pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And so... You know, potentially because he has cardiac yeah. myopathy, you know, I just from, you know, genetically could have it. Why put something in your body that's right. going to damage your heart? Right. And so we're actually, we're doing tests and stuff right now to see if he has the gene that uh, will show you that, um, you know, it's genetic and potentially, you know, I would have it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the doctors are trying to figure out if my cardiac or, or my atrial flutter was the onset yeah. Of my cardiac myopathy. Gotcha. So you know a lot of a lot of kind of unknown and scary stuff right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, you know I'd say this this past weekend for Father's Day I had I had a couple drinks with my brother-in-law and my dad. You know I definitely I probably drink a five percent basically of what I used to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I used to drink wasn't even a lot on the golf yeah. course quite a bit. Yeah. You know, but you know, it's just because it's it's just it's it's scary stuff. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Thank you for sharing all that. I, you know, I'm always curious whenever someone cuts back if you found any other thing to replace that with, maybe like in a healthy sense that does help you relax. Any anything like that? Any comment on that? You know, what's funny is I actually I never would drink on the golf course until. Um, <laughs> really, I became a, a member at Carmel. Whose fault was it? Just call him out right now, Gerald. Carmel. Till I joined a golf club and like was around other dudes that were drinking, yeah. and you know, when I was younger, obviously I wasn't drinking on the golf course, but you know, I learned how to play golf sober. Yeah. You know, my whole life. That's how you learn. Gerald, thanks for sharing all that. The health piece is so important for many of our listeners because a lot of times where we 
where this conversation comes from is, is consequential. You know, people are getting in trouble or, or it's this or that. It's not always truly um, health risks. And if it is, it can be a, a, a much more extreme case where yours is, sounds you know, more preventative. Uh, I mean, it does sound like you, you obviously had a consequence and you, and you did have to uh, get some medical procedure. Um, but, you know, in that time that you've decided to pull back, um, I mean, obviously, I, I imagine doctors have probably advised you to pull back on alcohol. Oh, yeah. Was there conversations around that? I mean, that wasn't just personal research. Yeah. No. Um, you know, I have a, we got a family doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do. Taffy Anderson. That's my <laughs> lover to death. Um, she gives health advice to us, you know, since I was a, a little kid. You know, the one thing she did say is she's like, I would just take all the alcohol out of my house. Yeah. You know, um, you know, not just for myself, um, for the kids, because potentially yeah. if, if I have a gene that's, um, you know, that's got a condition for the heart, you know, it's, it's, a, it's likely that the kids are going to have it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all this alcohol over time, you know, is, um, you know, these, whatever age my kids decide, decide they want to start drinking, I hope they don't. Yeah. But, um, you know, if they, you know, the more alcohol they're put into the system, the more they're damaging their heart. Right. And the same with me, same with my dad, you know, so yeah. I try to. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, I got a 12 year old and a six year old and I got one on the way and a probably about a month. Nice. Another girl. Congrats. man. Yeah. Thank you. Alcohol is like a it's a cultural thing. Like, you know, it's just. We we were just in that little shop. Like yep. they got beer there. They got I mean they got all wine. It's just it's around for right. sure. <laughs> and so it's hard to avoid. Yeah. And um, you know, shoot, they they make it taste so good nowadays. Especially doesn't even taste like alcohol. Right. <laughs> with, you know, with these seltzers and stuff. I mean, it's like it's like you're not drinking alcohol, and then you know you could be. You could be six <laughs> trulies deep and be like, next thing you know, you're sweating <laughs> on the course, right, right, about right. to miss a birdie putt. Right. Exactly right. So, <laughs> you know, you just need to be aware. I, I think the biggest thing that I've done is just like, I researched, you know, mm -hmm. I looked up, I, I would have never known some of the things that alcohol did to your body, mm -hmm. um, you know, until I looked it up, watched YouTube videos or, you know, just read articles. Or, or listen to Champagne Prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll be listening now for sure. <laughs> yeah, we talk about all that stuff. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I researched it, and I just learned so much. And it's just, you know, it's not that you should walk around scared, but you should walk around knowledgeable about what you're putting into your body. No question. And, you know, along with this is I've been plant-based for four and a half months now. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just knowing kind of what meat and dairy does to your body as well. You know, and all the health issues that come along with that. I, I think that stuff's like harder to ignore than the alcohol. Yeah. It's insane. And sugar. Sugar. Oh absolutely. Um, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I've, ch I've changed, I think, in, in, you know, just the stuff that I'm putting into my body just because I'm trying to live longer, man. You're going like, to be dialed in, man. No Bro. booze. All that stuff. I mean, all plant based. I'm not saying I'm not gonna have a a, a, a drink. Yeah. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, um, sparingly though. If I don't feel, if I go to somewhere, is like, is this gonna is this gonna enhance the experience? Yeah. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like, is it already fun? I don't really need a drink. If this is whack, either we're gonna leave or <laughs> yeah. I need a drink. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, I think in moderation also is a big deal. If you're having five, six drinks when you come home, you know, every night, it's probably too much. Probably a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and you'll start to see that. Or too. before NBA basketball game. Right. <laughs> that too. But, yeah. you know, some guys need that. Yeah. Some yeah. guys need that. Um, no, they think they need it. Since you, you know, had the procedure and the, and the kind of wake-up call regarding your health and your heart, what would you say the three biggest benefits – are of removing alcohol to the degree that you have i'm a big opponent of like not letting anything control you whatever it be small addictions that you have like if it's anger you know if like you react in anger like i'm a guy i'll get pissed off if, if something ain't right you know mm -hmm. and 
temper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My my wife will tell me, and I'll be like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> like, I, this shouldn't piss me off this much. I shouldn't let this control me. Like, you know, different situations. But when it comes to like alcohol or any kind of substances, um, you know, so you know, I'm I'm all about you just being able to, you know, be dependent on yourself. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and, and alcohol, it was never something that I ever went to, you know, because I was dealing with something. It's just around, you know, just, you just have a drink. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I'd say that's enough. That's one thing. Um, you know, I've slept better. Yeah. That's and that's a big one. And that changes a lot. Sleep changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do a lot of stuff in a day. You know, I'm going from here. You know, I own a real estate firm, Henderson Ventures, um, here in Charlotte. And, you know, I'm going to meet an agent once we leave here. My daughter's got a um, dance recital at 4 o'clock that I'm excited to go to. You need your sleep. I, I want to be fresh. I want to watch that. I don't want to, like, you know, feel tired while I'm doing those things. I want to be, you know, there and present. And I'd say the other thing is, um, you know, you just feel fresh. Mm. You know, uh, there's no hangover. Like, alcohol sucks. You know, especially when you stop drinking it and then you do drink it. Like, it's just like you're going to, I'm not going to feel good the next day. It affects you. I would way rather, you know, wake up in the morning. Like, I, I get up. I didn't work out this morning, which I'm a loser for that. I'd way rather, like, wake up in the morning, like, ready to go. You know, why um, Why would I have to, it's, the morning already sucks. Like, you're already, you know, it <laughs> yes. takes you a while to get going. To get going, yeah. Why would I add something to that to make me go even slower? Yeah. And then, and then overall, now that we've talked about my heart stuff, mm-hmm. is like, I just feel way better about, okay, from now on, like, I, I'm doing almost everything I can to try to live longer yeah. and be healthier. Um, and then for my kids, like set an example of, Hey, like, you know, I'm not saying you're never going to have a drink, but like, you know, this is how, this is, you know, this is how you act when you have a drink or, you know, you're not having a drink that often. You know, I think that's important. You got to teach your kids because they, they're going to end up doing exactly what you're doing. Like my dad, my whole life was a, just a leisure drinker. Kind of like I am. I've never seen him. That's a lie. <laughs> maybe maybe my wedding. Maybe not. He never. was turned up. <laughs> uh, but I I I've in my life I have rarely sack a count on one hand where I've seen him maybe had a little bit too much to drink. Yeah, because he's you know he's responsible and um, you know smart and stuff like that. But he'll have a drink, yeah. you know. And I think over time it's probably impacted um, you know the health of his heart, and so at an age and a maturity level where I'm like, okay, you know, he's probably drank his whole life. It probably hasn't helped. It's probably not the only reason, man. Like I, you know, at he's, if he's 66 and his heart's struggling, I want to be at a better point than he is when he's 66. Right. So I want to feel secure in everything that I'm doing uh, to get to that point. Great answers, man. Great answers. I, you know, what I take away is is these efforts you make, you know, to, to be healthier, to live longer, you know, eat right, drink less. You know, all these things are, you know, often we, those of us who aren't that far along, think of those as hard to do, maybe don't want to, kind of a pain in the ass. But the point of it is not only does it have a long-term outcome, the short-term rewards are everything you just said the sleep better the wake up more spry Mm -hmm. just feel fresh clear Mm -hmm. like those are the rewards and that's that's how we're supposed to live yeah yeah once you get it rolling it's like yeah then you're on man dialed in yeah that's right absolutely two things so you just mentioned the clear and stuff so as i've retired it's been way more difficult to stay consistent and disciplined with stuff. Yeah. Because when I was playing, you're on a schedule. Yeah. And it's kind of everything's just mapped out for you. Like you just show up here at this time. That's it. that's all you got to worry about. Now that I'm retired, I got to create my own schedule and I got to wake up at certain times and be here. So like and do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> then you got to right. do it. Right. You drink alcohol and it may, let's say it's not every day. Let's say it's sparingly, you know, when you wake up, you know, you don't feel good. So it's hard to do things um, 
you know, that's basically what discipline is, is like doing things consistently, no matter how you feel. Right. Sticking right? to the schedule. Right. right. So I just under, I just feel like if I feel consistent, it's going to be easier for me to stay disciplined. Yeah. yeah. That's number one. And then the second thing is, you know, for like younger guys, younger players, like in the NBA, these guys just, just got drafted. Like my biggest advice to them would be like, um, and I heard guys say this all the time, my body is a temple. Right. Mm-hmm. And I never, I was like, that's eh, kind of yeah. corny, you know, <laughs> but like it, it really is like you have a short span of time that you're in the league. I played for eight years. My dad played for 13 years. I thought that I would do that and more. Mm-hmm. Right. But because of injury, I didn't. But like it really is a short period of time. So when you're in that time, really focus in on what you're putting on, put, putting into your body. You know, not saying you're never going to hang out, but like, you know, limit the alcohol, limit the drugs, limit the meat and the dairy, like all these things. You want to go do that when you're older? Go ahead, man. Like, I can't, you know, but yeah. you have a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, to maximize the money that you're going to make and just, you know, it'll just overall help your wellness of life. Mm. You heard it from the source, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Gerald yeah. Henderson. Thanks for being here, man. This Absolutely. was great. Thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed this, and hopefully we'll get to have you back on at some point. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you feel like you may need professional help, here are some resources. For the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline, call 1-800-662-4357 or visit smsa.gov. For listeners in the Charlotte, North Carolina community, visit dilworthcenter.org or call 704-372-6969 or visit theblanchardinstitute.com or call 704-288-1097.